0: Well, those of you who are not new to City Church, you will recognize that I am not Jeff Kincaid. Um, my name is Seth, and I am the associate pastor here, and I am glad to have this opportunity. Don't know where I want this table to share with you this morning. Um, I have to tell you that um, this stage is a little bit small for me, so. gotta tell you the story about three years ago i was speaking to a group of students and i mean there's like i don't know 80 100 middle school kids in this in this um in this room and and i'm teaching and i'm kind of new to my last church and i'm excited as i'm as i'm teaching as i'm preaching and and i'm walking back and forth because i can't stand still like i can't do this so if i move around and that annoys you i just want to apologize from the, from the get-go, but I'm walking around. Next thing I know, I fall off the side of the stage and I'm flat on my back. The most disturbing part of that for me was that all the volunteers in that room just kind of sat there. <laughs> all the students just kind of sat there and I mean, man, I could have been dead on the floor and nobody cared. So um, hopefully, I think I'm gonna put this here to kind of keep me from going off that side and this here to kind of keep me from going off this side. So I hope um, and pray that, that you don't have to see that happen to me. If you do, show a little love to your brother. All right, and come on up here. How many of you all have um, New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Raise your hand. Come on, don't be shy. Just a few of you. How many of you had, have had one before? Okay, most of us. All right, so if you've had one before, how many of you have ever had a New Year's resolution to lose weight? Okay, yeah, I've had that um, every year for about the past 10 years. And I'm this like all or nothing kind of guy, okay? Uh, I'm extreme. I live on the extremes. I can't do anything like just middle, right? So I make that New Year's resolution. And it's not my goal is to lose five pounds over the next year. It's my goal to lose 40 pounds. I never make that. I never make that goal. Um, it's not just that I'm going to do it by watching what I eat and exercising a little bit more. It's usually I'm going to do it by doing P90X, exercising at the Y, and eating oatmeal for every meal. You know, and that lasts about a week. I lose, I lose weight, okay, but it comes right back. So I'm a man of extremes with that. Um, let's see, another New Year's resolution I've had. Um, many times, and not just New Year's, but over and over again, it seems like I've got this goal to go further in my walk with Jesus. Anybody ever have that before? It's like, all right, this next year, it's going to be different than this year. This next year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all out, and, and I'm going to grow in my relationship with Christ. And maybe that means for you that you're going to do your devotions every day, that you're going to get up, and you're going to get your Bible on your iPad, Android, whatever. Maybe you have a real, like, physical book Bible. And I'm gonna go through this and I'm gonna spend some time with God every morning. If you're like me, the opposite extreme is all right, I'm gonna do it in the morning. I'm gonna do it at lunch. I'm gonna do it at dinner. And not only am I gonna try to read the the whole Bible front to back the next year, but I'm gonna try to read it in 90 days. Okay, there's a Bible out there, by the way, called the Bible in 90 days. I've started that probably 10 times. I've yet to accomplish that. And not only only am I going to do my devotions three times a day, I'm going to read the Bible in 90 days, but I'm also going to serve at the rescue mission every Friday, go on a mission trip and save the world. Okay. And it seems like, and it's true, I fail on every one of those. I'm going to do, I'm going to pray with my kids before they go to school, when they go to bed at night. I'm gonna teach them life lessons around the dinner table. And by the way, we're gonna have dinner together every night around the table and be just like, um, oh, who knows who, I I, I can't, the Donna Reed family. For those of you who are a little bit older and used to watch Donna Reed, if you're you're younger, you have no idea who that is, but I I can't even think of a family today on TV that eats dinner around the dinner table. Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty, there you go. (laughs) Duck Dynasty and I don't know, probably none of you guys really know who they are, right? I mean, they really haven't been in the news at all lately. Yeah. So, yeah, they do eat around the, around the table. I never really watched them until, um, until this past week. And, and so, yeah, I saw that at the end of the show. They were sitting around the table. Minus the brother that's a pastor, by the way. I thought that was kind of interesting. The brother that is the pastor was not around that table. So we make these, we make these goals for the new year, and we seem to complicate them. You know, it's never these simple goals. It's like these big complicated goals, and we have to make it really difficult to attain. And as we we turn in Scripture today, and and by the way, I love this, Brady. Like, my message is actually coming out of Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 12, which is exactly what he just preached on up here. So that is awesome. So um, why don't you go ahead and and open your Bible to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to start with verse 9. But you know, it's interesting, as we, as we read this, I want you to kind of think of this um, in a different sort of way. As you go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you find is that the, the people that really like Jesus tend to be the people that are most unlike Jesus. Check it out. Read through the Gospels, and you'll find the people who are most unlike Jesus really like Jesus. And then, the people that Jesus likes are really the ones that are most unlike him. Brady kind of mentioned that whole thing with the, with the Pharisees, right? And man, he's like, go learn a lesson. You need to learn this lesson. We'll talk a little bit more about that. The gospel, the good news of Christ is simple. We try to complicate it sometimes, right? We try to complicate it. Living um, a life for Jesus is not simple, all right? That is complicated. But the message of the gospel It's simple. And maybe you've never heard that before. Okay. And if you haven't heard that before, maybe it's because someone like me in a position like I have in a church, hopefully not this one, but in a church at some point, other Christ followers have complicated it. And they've said, no, to be a Christian, to follow after Jesus, you've got to do all these things. You've got to get your life in order before you can really ever follow him. And if that is what you've learned, if it's that kind of complicated gospel that you've learned about, I want to just say that that's not the gospel of scripture. That's not the same thing that if we are open our Bibles, read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the rest of the New Testament, you are not going to find that it's that complicated. So let's look um, at Matthew chapter nine. We're going to look at verse nine. And again, I just love this Brady. Like we're like, we're like on the same wavelength. So this is awesome. So um, Jesus, right, he, he's, he's, he's on the road and he gets to, um, this tax collector's booth name and, and, Matthew is manning it. So he saw this man, Matthew, and he's sitting at the tax collector's booth. And let's, and let's kind of stop there a minute because these tax collectors were like, were awful. All right. Nobody liked them. Nobody liked them at all. Now, why? The Jewish people, and Matthew was Jewish, by the way, um, they're traitors. Why? Because they represent the Roman government and the Roman government is kind of oppressing Israel and and they're trying to take from them. And and so they look like, Matthew, you're a Jew, you're an Israelite, like why? Why are you working for the Roman government? And so the way this would work is that you would actually go to Rome, someone would go to Rome and they would kind of buy the rights to collect the taxes in the different provinces uh, that the Roman government controlled. And so it would be like me going to the mayor's office, going to the mayor's office and the city council and saying, all right, I wanna be in charge of collecting the taxes in the University of Evansville area. That's where we live. And so that, that couple square mile area, I wanna be in charge of that. And so the mayor grants me control of that. And there's a certain amount of taxes that, that Rome wants back, okay? Well, I wanna make some money too. So as I go back to my little area, as I go back to the University of Evansville area, I'm like, all right, well, I wanna make some cash too. So I'm gonna add 15% onto what I need to pay Rome so I can make a little bit of a profit. And by the way, I'm gonna tax everything. I'm gonna tax your income. I'm gonna tax your roads, the bridges you cross, the food you eat, the food you grow. Like I'm gonna tax everything. Now I quickly find out that um, there in the University of Evansville area, like, I live in one place, but it's a lot bigger than that. I can't do it on my own. So I take some other people from around the neighborhood, all right, and I, I, I hire them, and I say, all right, if you could go over there and take care of this, all right, collect taxes for us over there. You collect taxes over there. You collect taxes over there. This is what Matthew did, all right? He was one of those guys at this, this one booth, and Matthew could even add on to that so he could make a profit. And so that's what he did. So the Jews could not stand him. And, and as he is at the booth, sitting down, we don't know if he was sitting down. We're just gonna assume that he's sitting down at the booth. He's collecting taxes. Behind him are a couple of Roman soldiers. And these Roman soldiers are, are, are just there to kind of pr- not really protect Matthew. Right? They probably don't care about Matthew's well-being. What they really care about are the taxes. They, don't, they wanna make sure that Matthew gets all the taxes that he can get, so they can take it back to Rome. So Jesus um, was, Jesus is, um, is walking and he's with his disciples, sees Matthew, and he goes up to the booth. And, and you can just imagine, you know, like, like Peter and John walking with, with Jesus. And, and Jesus sees Matthew and starts walking towards him. You could just imagine the disciples saying, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? Why are you going to talk to this guy? They're probably nervous sweating, everything else. Um, Like, why? Why are you doing that? It's like, um, I don't know, you've been walking on the street in a big city, Indianapolis, Chicago, New York, whatever, St. Louis, and and you see a homeless person, all right, and maybe you've got your kids with you or whatever, um, and they just start walking up to this guy, and you have no idea who he is. All right, now, I like to do that, all right, but I'm a little nervous when my kids do that, and it's like, whoa, 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 what are they doing? All right, so I, I can just imagine the disciples seeing this and just wondering. And then for Jesus to walk up to Matthew and extend an invitation by saying, follow me. Would you come be with me? So the disciples are already a little nervous that, that Jesus is walking towards this guy because they know he's going to say something to him. And you've got to understand that tax collectors, the Jewish tax collectors, were considered unclean. They were ceremonially unclean. You, you couldn't, you wouldn't, you should not be in their presence. And so for him to talk to him is bad enough, but for him to go to him and extend an invitation for him to follow Jesus is like out of this world crazy. All right. Now you can just kind of imagine again what the disciples are doing. You know, the disciples are, are probably thinking, okay, follow me really means follow me behind the woodshed. And we're going to have a little small group. I'm going to kind of reintroduce the Old Testament laws to you. We're going to go over the Ten Commandments. And we're going to make sure you are right so that you can correctly follow Jesus. But Jesus doesn't lead Matthew to the woodshed, to some, some other room, to make sure he's got all this theology right, to make sure that he's doing everything right. He doesn't do that. Instead, he just extends the invitation To Matthew. Now, it's interesting, too, as you look look throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus um, trying to relate to people in a different way, right? Because in the past, there's this religious system that's just kind of system after system after system. You've got to do this right. You've got to do this. And there's just kind of this linear way you've got to live your life. And Jesus comes, and he tries to change this spiritual paradigm. He wants to relate to them. And he wants them to be able to relate to him. This is different than what they're used to. They're used to seeing this kind of cosmic God that is so distant and far from them and can't possibly relate, but Jesus wants them um, to relate to him. And so he does this. He tries to kind of shift that mindset, to shift the paradigm. And the way he does this is by painting some word pictures to help us to think correctly about him. And he compares himself and his relationship with us as a father and a child. And so you've got this father that, that, we're, that we're following, that we're living with, that cares for us, that wants to be with us, that cares about our concerns, but loves us that he wants to set up boundaries so we might walk in the right way. And a child who, who looks up to the father and wants approval from the father. They could think in these terms, he compared our relation, relationship to him with the branch abiding in a vine. John 15 talks about that, about, about the, the, the branch abiding in the vine. So you've got the vine, the source of strength. You've got this branch connected, this living connection where everything comes through the vine and it goes out to the branch. And the branch bears fruit because of what it's receiving from the vine. And they could get that during that time, that they could be connected where he was going around and he was telling people, you can be connected to God. You can be connected to God, the father. And of course you've got the shepherd and the sheep and, and, uh, and he's the shepherd, we're the sheep and he's taking care of us. He's kind of helping us go in the right direction. One of us wanders away. He cares about that one that wanders away and he goes to find it. So Jesus doesn't just walk up to Matthew. Which, again, is probably what the disciples would want to do. If we can put this in the context of where we are in culture right now, um, probably some of us, if we're honest, in this room might do the same thing. Jesus could have gone up to him and said, Matthew, you need to clean up your act. And Jesus would have been right. Matthew probably did need to clean up his act. He could have gone up to Matthew and said, I can't believe you would do this, that you would be a tax collector representing the Roman government, oppressing your own people, denying the Jewish faith, not going to synagogue, not really caring about it, not go- and, and, and serving the Roman government. He could do that and he would be right in that. He could have said, repent, obey, rededicate your life. He could have said all of that and he would have been right to say all that, but he didn't say any of that. He simply extended the invitation of following me. Will you follow me? Now, there were some things that Matthew could not do at that point, right? We look in our own lives. There are things that we can't do. There are some things that we wouldn't do and some things that Matthew probably wouldn't do at that point. Okay, remember, Matthew's not close with God at this point. You know, Jesus Jesus called Peter a rock before he was actually a rock. And this is kind of what Jesus is doing with Matthew. And he's saying, he's extending that invitation. Matthew, follow me. Matthew is sitting at that booth. Jesus extends that invitation. And he's simply asking Matthew to do the one thing that he knows he can do, which is to scoot his chair back, stand up, and start taking those baby steps following Jesus. Simply, that's it. That's the invitation that Jesus gives. Just follow me. Come be with me. If you follow me, Matthew, this isn't what scripture says. This is kind of in my imagination. I think think, um, we can, again, think about this in terms of today. If you're gonna follow me, this is what Jesus doesn't say. You must stop being a tax collector. He doesn't say that. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, if you follow me, you've gotta stop doing this. He doesn't say, if you follow me, Um, you need to stop befriending other tax collectors. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, if you're going to follow me, you must start reading your Bible every day. That you must start going and living and doing everything I do. He doesn't say that. He doesn't start with that. He doesn't say, if you follow me, you've got to go to church every stinking Sunday. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. You can only listen to Christian music if you're gonna follow me. And by the way, you better not, better not have cable. And if you do have cable, you better just watch Duck Dynasty because they pray around the table together. He doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say, if you're gonna follow me, you must be willing to die for me. That's not what he says when he invites Matthew to follow him. He doesn't dump the whole load on him from the beginning. He doesn't say, you're gonna lose all of your friends if you follow me. How, I mean, how many times have you heard something like that? Um, maybe you've even said it to someone else. Look, if you, if you start following Jesus, you're gonna lose your friends because they're not gonna care about God, so they're not gonna care about you. He doesn't say that to Matthew. That's quite the way of, of scaring someone away, isn't it? He doesn't say, if you follow me, you're gonna have a steady income and everything is gonna be great. By the way, if you've ever heard that, that's not Biblical. If you're like me, you've had financial problems, even though you're a follower of Christ. He doesn't tell Matthew either, if you follow me, you're gonna write a best-selling book. And it's gonna be called Matthew and it's gonna be the first book in the New Testament. And people are gonna profit over the book that you wrote. Publishing companies all over the world are gonna make a lot of money, partially because of the book you wrote. He doesn't say that. Instead, all of what he said to Matthew was very simple follow me. That's it. And throughout the Gospels, as you look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as you look throughout the New Testament, that is the way God works. To men and women of every, every age, every maturity level, if you're old, if you're young, if you're a student, you're retired, this is how Jesus extends an invitation to all of us, follow me. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that is the invitation. If you have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've been in church all your life and you truly do follow Jesus, that invitation is the same even today. As you wake up each morning, as you take each step, his invitation is, follow me. It's his invitation to us. Why? Because it's the most accurate picture of what this whole thing called Christianity is about. The Christian life is about following It's about following Christ in a day and age where we hear a lot about leadership. You know, some of you have read a ton of books about leadership. I know I have Um, tons about how to lead through change, who moved my cheese. Anybody read that book? Who moved my cheese? Maybe a couple of you. All right, so tons of books about leadership and how we need to be these great leaders. But what we don't talk about a lot is about following. And Jesus just said, follow me you don't need to worry right now about leading. You need to worry about following me. And as you follow me, as you take those steps, you're gonna be following the example. Each step you take, you don't need to worry about leading right now. You need to worry about following. You need to keep your eyes focused on me. So Matthew got up and he followed him. Now, verse 10, it's interesting. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Okay, and and Brady kind of alluded to this. First of all, like, Jesus goes to Matthew's house. Okay, he starts walking towards Matthew and talking to him. Watch out, he's unclean. And then then he takes it a step further, and he extends the invitation to follow him. All right, that's a little more weird. And then he goes to Matthew's house. Okay, so now all of a sudden, his disciples are probably saying, Jesus, he's not following you. You're following him. What in the world is going on? You're following him. And and this is just unheard of because, go ahead and go to the next verse or the next part of verse 10. There were many tax collectors and sinners that were there with Matthew. You've got to understand, Matthew just kind of, at this point, kind of turned his back on the Jewish faith. He didn't have a lot of close, righteous friends. His friends were the other tax collectors that were like him, that the people despised. Those were his friends and Jesus ate with them. Jesus ate with them, like he had fellowship with them. That was unheard of back then. And probably for some of us today, if we were to look at what we consider the worst of the worst, have dinner, if we would have dinner with them, some of us looking on at you would think you're crazy. Oh, he's not a real believer because he's hanging out with that crowd. She's not really following Jesus because she's hanging out with them. She should be hanging out with us. We're the righteous ones. So there are tax collectors and sinners there. And kind of parenthetically, it's kind of interesting, right? How tax collectors and sinners, again, if you kind of go throughout scripture, tax collectors are so bad, they have their own category. You ever notice that? Like sinners kind of encompasses like murderers, child abusers, people who commit all kinds of crimes, sinners and tax collectors. I mean, that's, those are the kind of thoughts that people had about tax collectors. They didn't like them. They deserved um, to be in their own category. Let's go ahead and move on to the next. Next verse, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They couldn't understand it. And, and probably the disciples, as they're being asked these questions, didn't understand it either. But Jesus overheard them and uh, upon hearing this jesus said it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick like that is that's so interesting like he walks up to him and he, he says whoa 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 it's not the healthy who need a doctor it's the sick in other words it's those people that that can look in the mirror and they know gosh i just don't measure up i don't measure up to my own goals i seem to always fail i'm broken i'm hurt I've got this addiction and I can't, I can't seem to get out of it. I want to be nice, but I can't stop being mean. I want to give away my money, but I just can't do it. And again, this is for people that follow Christ and for people who don't. And you look at verse 13, and I'm not sure I have that up there. Jesus does address them. He takes them to school. Rather, he tells them to go to school. All right, and Jesus says, but go and learn what this means. All right, these are the Pharisees, the ones that claim to know it all. They're the righteous ones after all. Jesus says, no, no, I've come for the sick, not for the righteous. I'm not here for you guys. You guys think you have it all together. I'm here for the ones that that know they don't and that they need someone. And by the way, I want you to take this and go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. My priority, Jesus says, is mercy. Because mercy, by the way, um, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Not getting what you deserve. And so Jesus is saying, like, my desire is mercy. That even though these sick maybe deserve a lot more, I want you to have mercy on them. They deserve maybe bad things to happen to them, but I want you to have mercy. Forget all these rituals. Forget all this. Forget about the things you can do. Look upon these people with love. Look upon them so that you don't give them what it is they may even deserve. Because once I don't give them what they deserve, I can start to give them what they don't deserve, which is grace. Matthew did not deserve the right to leave his booth and to follow Jesus. He was a bad man. He was a tax collector. He was part of the oppression of the Jewish people. He didn't deserve that. But, but Jesus had mercy on him. He said, Matthew, slide out your chair, stand up and just start following me. Didn't have to clean up his act first. Just start following me. Again, Matthew got up and he started taking that baby step. It's at that point of mercy that then Jesus can start working with Matthew and start giving him what he doesn't deserve, which is love, which is life, life everlasting. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I've come to call the righteous. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Guys, that is the mission of Jesus Christ, is to call the to himself, to extend that invitation. Some of you are in this room and you're thinking, what in the world, this doesn't apply to me at all. This is all for people that don't know Jesus. No, that's not true. As you're following Jesus, as you're walking behind him and he's leading you, um, or perhaps, you know, he was leading you, you were following him, but you kind of took a break. I don't know if you've ever done this, I have. Where you're in the middle of following Jesus, you just kind of take a break and you just kind of stop for a while. And it's when you stop following, I'm not talking about losing your salvation here, I'm talking about just following Jesus. It's when you stop doing that, that all of a sudden, instead of just following Jesus and keeping your eyes there, you're just taking a break. Well, now I can kind of look at where Jesus is going. And I kind of like that. But you know what else I can do? I can look back here. I can look out here at you. My eyes aren't on Jesus anymore. So now my eyes are on you. What aren't you doing? Boy, look where I am and look where you're not. Jesus said, man, there's no room for that. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Follow me. Just follow me one step at a time. Don't look back. Don't think you're holier than thou. So if you've been following Christ, maybe you're on the sidelines right now. You're treating this whole life like it's a game where you're constantly evaluating yourself and the other team. Why? Because you want to win. You want to see how much better you are than the other people, than the other team. There's no room for that. Jesus extends this invitation. Just follow me. Just follow me. Go ahead and go to the next slide for me. Now here's what we all need to understand. The invitation that Jesus gave to Matthew, slide, up, slide out from under that desk, stand up and just follow me. It still stands today. That invitation is still extended to you today. And all Jesus wants you to do is to respond, to just get up and start following him. Walk in the steps of Jesus. He'll show you the way. He'll guide you where you need to go. And as you start to follow him, you take baby step after baby step and you're following him. All of a sudden, you realize you're doing things that you could never do before. You're living a life that you could have never lived before had you tried to do it on your own. But because you're focused on Jesus and you're walking in the way of Jesus, he starts to change your life because he knows the only way to change you, the only way to change me is to be in relationship with him. So the invitation still stands. Will you take that baby step today? Will you take that baby step today? Will you choose, and this is, this is the simple all right this is the simple invitation that he extends but it takes courage it takes kind of all right i don't i'm going to try this it takes a little faith will you take that baby step will you stand up will you start to take that those baby steps and follow jesus because that's what you can do those of us on the sidelines those of those of us that have been following jesus Man, some of us need to stand up again because we're taking a break. And not that the Christian life is a bunch of work, it's not. All he asks is for us to follow him. Some of us just need to start doing that again. We're, maybe we're dealing with things in our life that we can't fix ourselves. Addictions, pornography, financial hardships, job loss not being satisfied in your job, not having a happy marriage, being divorced, going through a divorce right now. Jesus just says, man, I want to be with you. Just come with me. Just follow me. I want to be in that relationship with you. So the question on the table is this. It's the same invitation that Matthew got from Jesus, which is, will you follow me? So I want you to ask that of yourselves right now. As, As the band comes up, I want you to be thinking about this question. Will you follow me? Some of us have been sitting kind of on the sidelines at our booth and we've been watching. Now, I guarantee you Matthew knew who Jesus was. He'd been there. He'd heard the stories about Jesus, but he'd just kind of been sitting there. And you can just sit there. You can. You can just sit there and you can learn about Jesus. You can start to absorb everything up here and you can learn about the end times and you can learn about all the prophets. And, and by the way, all this stuff is important, okay? But we can puff up our heads with knowledge and kind of be on the sidelines and just kind of sit here and become kind of pharisaical because we're following the rules, we're doing what we're supposed to do and just kind of watch Jesus do his thing. Or we can accept his invitation when he says, follow me. So as we sing this last song, just ponder that in your heart. And I want you to respond in the way Jesus is calling you to respond. Maybe, maybe it just means that your response is to pray for other people. Maybe your response is today, I'm gonna accept that invitation that Jesus offers me. And I'm just gonna take that first step, which is standing up and I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna begin to follow baby step after baby step. You can make that decision in your seat. You can talk to someone else. You can do it at home. You can come up here. You can can make that decision anywhere you want. There's no magical formula. You accept the invitation that Jesus has offered to you. If you've never done that before, I wanna just encourage you to do that. If you have done that before, but you're finding yourself in that spot where you just need to remind yourself that, man, I just need to take that baby step again need to accept that invitation. I need to remember that all I need to do is just follow him. It's not about all these rules. So ponder this. You respond to this invitation however you desire. There are no rules. Let's pray. King Jesus, Sending an invitation to me. Even though in my sin, while I was yet sinning, like no one else, the worst of the worst, you demonstrate your love for me in dying for me. Even while I was yet a sinner. And Jesus, you have come to my table, you've extended the invitation to me follow you. Thank you for that. Thank you for extending the invitation to all of us to not just the righteous, but to the sinners, to the people like me. Lord, I pray that you would would change, that you would change my heart, that you would change other people's hearts, that we would respond in the way that you're calling us to respond. That we would take that step, whatever that step is, of following. Just want a relationship with you. You are bigger than all of us. And Lord, I don't know about everyone else here, but I need to know that I'm following someone greater than me. Someone that can love better than me. Someone that can lead better than me. So Lord, just speak to us right now in the quietness of our heart and as we worship in Jesus' name.